High Five Gear is a proud sponsor of Above180.com. H5G has thousands of designs to choose from and no hidden artwork fees. How awesome is that? Show your individuality and have your jersey tell your story. Online, you can order at www.high5gear.com today. Don't let fashion pass you by. Add H5G into your wardrobe and show off your individuality. Use code ABOVE180 at checkout for $20 off any H5G style. Thank you to all of our supporters and our fans. We appreciate it. Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Hi, this is Parker Bona III, and you are listening to the Above180.com podcast with Tim Berg. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me today in the Above180.com podcast is Mo Pinnell. Mo is the technical developer for Radical Bowling Technologies. Mo, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining me. It's always my pleasure when you have time for me. So, Mo, let's begin, I guess, what we're talking about are some of the USB-C changes that we may be seeing moving down the line. Now, to be 100% honest, we do not know what these changes are right now. It's only been speculation. But first off, do you think changes even need to be made? And what is the point of making some of these changes by the USB-C? Well, that's not my point. That's their point. One of the questions that I ask when I read the conjecture as well as the technical information I've been privileged to read Okay, is what are they hoping to accomplish? I can't understand what the purpose of it is right now, and I think that's important to uh, these specification changes they want to put through. What is the purpose of it? What are we trying to do? And I haven't been able to get an answer to that. So if we can get an answer to that, maybe we'll have some idea what's going on. So, Mo, one of the things I found interesting was there was a survey done by the USBC where they asked bowlers if they thought the governing body should make the shots harder or easier. And overwhelmingly, bowlers responded and said harder. So, taking this information, wouldn't that lead you to believe that it would be on the proprietors to maybe put out a more challenging shot? Or what is possibly going through the mind of the proprietors here, and why are they putting out easier shots? Why do proprietors put out the easy shots because they believe that that's what their customers are looking for. Because every time the lanes are a little bit difficult or something goes wrong with the lane machine or something causes it not to be what the customer is anticipating, they get negative responses from their customers. That's why proprietors believe that the lanes have to be easy. So Mo, does this possibly mean that the bowlers who filled out this survey were the hardcore bowlers who actually do want to bowl on a challenging shot? on a uh, weekly basis? I don't know who the survey addressed, but I know that the proprietors believe that customers want them to be as easy as possible 
So they'll spend more money in the bowling center and they maybe will bowl more often. But what we're getting down to here is that the lane man is the one who de- determines the scoring pace in any bowling center. So I understand that there seems to be some desire to restrict restrictions on bowling balls. But my own feeling is if the lanes are controlled as well as the bowling balls are controlled, I guarantee you there's not a single bowling ball thrown that does not pass all the inspections of the USBC. I do not believe that all the lanes that are bowled on in the United States or even a majority of them are legal on a daily basis. So if you don't have regulation, and I believe in lane dressing rules, if you don't have regulation, you've got chaos. I think that's what we're addressing here. But it's my opinion that lanes are not monitored according to the rules, and the rules are very lax right now. According to USBC rule, a lane only has to be inspected one day a year. When they do the lane inspection and they measure all the dimensions and make sure they're legal, they have, they're supposed to take the lane condition. That's it. Now, I don't know what you think of human nature, but if you tell me you're only going to check my lane one day a year, I think I feel I have the latitude to do whatever I want whenever I want. So I think that the emphasis on going to the manufacturers is in the wrong area. And there's a lot of, in the information I have on the suggested specifications, there are a lot of issues that need to be resolved before they can be, even if they decide to change them, before they can be implemented accurately. Yeah, Mo, so let's kind of talk about that. We hate kind of dealing in speculation here. But if, you know, some of the numbers being floated out there, if the, the equipment and if, if things are, the specifications are brought down, we're talking a lot about the, the differential and bowling balls and such. So if, the, if, the, if, again, the key word there, if things are changed, what does that mean to bowlers? Well, it, here's what's going to happen, okay? I'm not concerned about changing differential. I'm plenty okay with it. The technology that I'm using uh, allows an 045 diff, which is what they're suggesting, to perform just as well as the 060 balls of today. Using my technology, I know that. I've developed it over the years. I can prove it. The problems that I see in the suggested specifications are, number one, in the controlling the oil absorption of the cover stock there's a flaw in what they're proposing because what they're proposing has an error ratio of 33%. And any specification that has an error ratio and repeatability ratio of 33% is totally invalid and totally inaccurate. So they got to work on that area to make sure they can make it accurate enough on a reasonable basis. And they haven't come up with the details, but their proposed implementation uh, of these rules is going to end up costing at least one or two bowling companies to go out of existence, bowling ball companies to go out of existence. So I just think it's not well thought out at this point. I think there's things that have to be done in order to make it 
the proposal even valid. That's just my feeling from what I've from what I've seen. And so, Mo, then how do they? What are your thoughts? I guess because if if anything, if there were changes made, you, you know, almost like you have to grandfather in all the bowling balls that were USBC approved before a certain time period, because otherwise it would be chaos uh, among your league bowlers. That's correct. But right now that impl- proposed implementation implementation period is five years. So bowlers. That's are- what the proposal is. Yeah. That the, that manufacturers cannot manufacture balls above 045 or that don't pass the oil absorption rule, which needs to be fixed after a certain time and the bowlers have five years to use their old equipment. Well, that means very simply that bowlers aren't going to buy balls for five years. That's going to cost us ball companies. Okay. So I think five years is unreasonable. Okay. That's what I think about that. Mo, if these new rules are implemented by the USBC, what changes can people expect? And do you see anything that would be positive out of this? And, Mo, do you have any suggestions as well as far as what needs to be done? Well, first of all, we have to regulate lane conditions more so that we can be confident that league bowlers and tournament bowlers will face uh, legal lane conditions on a daily basis. Now, when you deal with sports shots and tougher patterns and everything like that, they're always legal because the point there is to make them challenging. But your average league bowler, who is the vast majority of of what we're talking about, can't be sure that he's facing a legal lane condition on a daily basis. And from my experience, he's not facing a legal lane condition on a daily basis a majority of the time. So there's a distorted perception of what's really going on. If we can accurately, accurately repeat and measure Oil absorption of cover stocks, there's nothing wrong with the rule on oil absorption of cover stocks. We know we can accurately measure differential. But I think the emphasis is in the wrong area because, in my opinion, and I've been a lane man all my life, I can make them just as easy as you'd like. Okay? And uh, I think we have to make sure that both ends of the spectrum the environment in which we're bowling, as well as the tools that are being used, both of them have to be equally as well monitored or else you're not going to have the answer you're looking for, even if you change the specifications on bowling balls. And the other thing that's going to happen that's indirect on this, if they go the direction that they want to, we're going back to the 80s. Okay, but that means the game will be dominated by two-handers and rev-dominant players. And what I think the people are looking for is a chance for the normal average bowler to feel he's competitive when he chooses to bowl. But with these rule changes going on, it's my opinion, we're going back to a guy with 500 RPMs, a guy with 450 RPMs, has a distinct advantage, period. Now, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're going to get. And remember, in the 80s, there were no two-handers. They had nowhere near the rev rates that are available today for two-handed players, and I coach them on a daily basis. 
Want to remind folks, if you're looking for a shirt, please check out hi5gear.com. Lots of great colors, lots of great styles, over a thousand different designs to choose from. So you can find your own, you can make your own, you can go and design your own shirt so you have something unique and special that speaks to you. Again, check out hi5gear.com. Also, special opportunity, above180.com listeners, use the promo code above180. That'll get you $20 off your order. So use that code Above 180, that'll get you $20 off. Lots of great stuff. Please check them out. Hi, the number five gear.com. One of the things that we've seen, even with the USBC Open Championships, let's kind of switch gears a little bit and talk more tournament play. Those tournament, you know, that tournament as, as well, and even the US, so US Open's always been challenging, uh, but it seems like the USBC Open Championships over the last maybe three years, probably three to five years relatively, have decided to make a concerted effort to make things more challenging as well. Even last year was the first year. The the pattern wasn't released, but they gave the bowlers the topography of South Point. So talk about that as a tournament, because I, I had a lot of people, and I got emails from people, I saw messages on Facebook saying, I'm not going to go out to Vegas and spend a couple thousand dollars or a thousand dollars to bowl and shoot 1450 and spend all my money. It's just not fun. That's interesting because they were everybody's eligible to use the latest and greatest equipment on the US at the USBC tournament as long as it's you know approved, and yet the the lane conditions as they make them more challenging and definitely more difficult, the scores go down. So my own opinion is today's technology is being controlled. It's again the person that is applying the oil to the lane and creating the lane environment is determining the scoring pace because you proved that the USBC, they've made them more difficult. They got scared by the 3,700 that Pete Thomas's team shot. And they wanted to make sure that nobody was going to bust records anymore because of the integrity of the sport. But you want to know something? You can have all the integrity you want, but if people aren't going to go out there and bowl it, you're not going to have anybody to, to regulate. What happens to players is, Either of two things. The USBC National Championship used to be geared for the league bowler that wanted to bowl in a national championship. Well, he goes out there or she goes out there because women are bowling in the open. And they bowl and they shoot a miserable score or a less than, much less uh, high score compared to what they bowl at home. And when they come home, two things either occur. They went out there with their family to have a vacation and they were embarrassed by what was going on and they didn't enjoy it. Or they get home after they bowled their 15 or 1600, as you're talking about, and they get their credit card bills for the the amount of money they spent while they were out there. And they reflect and say, it cost me that much to do that. I don't think I'm going to use my money that way next year. That's what's happening to the national championships. And Mo, one of the things too, they've added that third division to to um, what they what they think would help that bowler who's in that two ten two oh five maybe compete on their own level with people. You could say, what are your thoughts on that third division? This was our first year we saw that. If people go and look at the prize funds, there were you know people have, have much complained. You could say much, um, and 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 their opinions uh, rightly deserved. You know, complained about the um, the lack of prize fund in some areas. What are your thoughts on adding that third division? There's nothing wrong with adding a third division if you have enough bowlers. So the issue here is there aren't enough people bowling the national championships anymore. 
if you have enough bowlers, you can have three divisions and pay decent money. But if you have a dwindling participation base and you're dividing the money up in more divisions, even if you do something in that division, you're not going to recover enough to justify the cost of the trip. That's what's happening. We've got to have more participation in the national championships, which isn't what you intended this conversation to be about. <laughs> but I don't think that the change in specification is going to give them what they're looking for. And I'd like to address that question. And maybe you can if you get somebody from the USBC that's uh, involved in this, in this direction, Chad Murphy or one of his people. What, do you, what were you hoping to accomplish by restricting specifications on bowling balls? I'd like to know the answer to that because I'd like to address the issue of whether that is going to accomplish their goal. Right now, to me, it's questionable. I have nothing against specifications. Nothing. 045 will be fine, in my opinion, on differential. They've got to get the accuracy up on the measurement of the oil absorption of cover stock because the 33% error ratio won't work. And they have to have an implementation time schedule that allows people to throw balls and retain their old balls, but also for the ball companies to survive. And right now, I don't think, I think we're going to lose one or two if they follow the implementation uh, schedule that they've got. So that, those are my areas of concern. Mo, I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up. You had said that we may lose a few ball companies, in your opinion, based on some of these new changes. Explain that and why that is your thought. What's going to happen is if you're going to give a five-year period between the time when manufacturers can manufacture balls on the new specification, but the bowlers are allowed to uh, throw balls under the old specification, nobody's going to buy bowling balls. They're going to go get their old balls plugged a little bit, or they're going to keep throwing them. They're going to do what they can. But you're going to kill an industry that supported your, that supported your sport for all these years. Now, I would think a reasonable amount of time is what the standard warranty on bowling balls is. Make it one or two years. If you're going to say, okay, that's a warranty period on a ball. That means a ball is, is going, to, going to last that long. So if you want to put new specifications in and grandfather balls for one to two years, whatever the standard warranty is on a bowling ball, that's a different issue than if you want to do five years. I'm just talking about it on a realistic basis. I'm okay with it. I'm going to have a job either way. Yeah, so is the thought of them doing five years, is that to make the, the make it on the bowlers, make it what they would consider it a little bit easier on the bowlers, but in what they're doing by doing that yeah. is they're hurting the, they're hurting the, the oper- they're hurting you guys, and they're hurting even the pro shop operators too. We didn't even discuss what's going to happen to them if, if I mean, I guess if people are plugging and keeping their old stuff alive and revitalized, they'll they'll make their money that way, but they won't be selling any new balls. So my guess would be we'd lose lose some operators as well in this shuffle. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, personally, I have felt that the ball companies have supported the sport of bowling and spend a lot of money promoting bowling indirectly to promoting the sale of new bowling balls they design. 
I think that part of the industry is, has done it very well and with integrity. I just think it's not well thought out at this point. I guess that's what we're coming down to. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? I do. It seems to me, too, like you're saying oh, this could fall back on the, uh, the proper education of the, the centers to put the, to put the oiling patterns out properly and to keep the lanes up to specs because that in itself would help put the integrity back into our sport. And then, I, I mean, I recall... Well, Bowler- we have a three-unit rule. We have a three-unit rule, minimum of three units anywhere within the oil pattern. Okay. But if nobody measures it, do we really have a specification? If nobody measures in the old days, and we can't do it that anyway, if an award score was shot when I started, when I was started to work in this industry in the 70s, somebody had to come out that night and inspect the lane. I can give you a distinctive, I can give you a definite example. In 1987, I did a PBA regional. In Virginia Beach, Virginia, at Princess Lanes, which no longer exists. And that's when the short oil rule was in effect. And, okay, my job was to oil the lanes for the proprietor because we had just sanded bowling centers for him. And we put the short oil rule in, which is what it was at the time. And uh, we had 28 award scores in a weekend with the short oil rule. But... So it's still the guy who runs the lane machine determines the scoring pace in the center. That cannot be challenged, and that has always been the case. But the enforcement rules under the current guidelines, which is they have to be inspected one day a year, so let's make them legal for one day when he leaves. Guys, stick the oil up the outside, and we'll be fine. That's bad enough. But... That's where the problem is. We have chaos because we don't have an accurate implementation of the lane dressing rule to keep the environment legal. And yet when we take these modern, super class, super modern bowling balls that everybody seems to think is the culprit and the USBC oils the lane for the national championships, the scores go down drastically and have gone down drastically in the last three years. Is that not correct? Oh, yes, sir. It certainly is. Okay. So I guess the answer is, hey, let's control the lane conditions and we want to control the scoring base. I defy somebody to find the false logic in my position on that subject. Well, I am not against specifications as long as they're adhered to and monitored. Well, one of the things you hit on earlier in the podcast was if proprietors make the shot tougher, people aren't happy, and it's kind of this revolving uh, never-ending cycle, I guess you could say. But really, let's talk about a little bit in the brief time we have left the kind of decline in bowling and league bowling in general. Well, when I started in, well, I started in the business, but when I first became introduced to bowling, way back when bowling was booming, you had not much you could do at home. You could watch three stations on television and talk to the wife and kids, or you could go to the bowling center and talk to your buddies and have a couple of beers and relax a little bit before you go to work the next day. But right now, the problem is, is there are so many other alternative things to do. And I am guilty of them as anybody else. I'm on my phone. I'm on social media, which I do for my business. I'm watching TV. I'm on the internet. There are so many other things that we can do to occupy our time going to the bowling center is becoming less and less popular. 
Yeah, a very good point, Mo. And, and on that note, I think we'll we'll have to leave it there, like you had said, and like I, I plan on doing, getting uh, d- digging into this more and more as we start to hear more details come out. We hate to speculate. I thought I'd bring you on, though, because you've, like you said, you've been on social media talking about this and um, and being one of the ones out there who, who I, you know, the listeners and everyone and myself included really respect your opinion on things and appreciate your time. And by all means, if there's a, if there's anything in one, once we start hearing some more concrete things, we'll love to get you back on and, and we'll go over some of them. And, and who knows, maybe they're going to listen to the show and they may tweak some things and change, uh, change their thought process. It's kind of a scary thing because I did this impromptu on a couple hours notice. Now I'm thinking. Sit. Now I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, did I just make an ass of myself, or did I say something effective? Let me know what the thoughts on that subject are. You 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 know what I'm talking about, don't you? I certainly do know what you mean, Mo. Hey, Mo, and that's the beauty of having you on. Everyone has their opinion; they can share it. If there's anyone, and by all means, I am reaching out to folks as well from the USBC. We're going to try to get someone on as we approach the new year and continue these thoughts and. Once things get going with this process and with this change, we'll get someone on and we'll discuss it. So I will be doing that. I appreciate your opinion. Everyone in the bowling industry values your insight and your input. Before we go, though, I got to remind folks, check out bowlingthismonth.com, bowling's best and most complete technical resource right at your fingertips. Check them out online. Lots of great articles now. Got your latest uh, latest equipment. You're looking for an equipment review. Lots of tips to help you improve your game. And also check out, there's some information about the BTM tournament. Going to be in uh, Syracuse this year in conjunction with the USBC Open Championships. So check all that stuff out, uh, bowlingthismonth.com. Okay, and never underestimate the fact that I am very passionate about my love for the, for the sport of bowling, and I think that's pretty evident in the way I make a living. But, yeah, I think whatever we do, we have to benefit bowling. So good luck to everybody on this one. Let's see what happens. We're talking about an area where we haven't had enough clarification to be deadly accurate in our thought process. So maybe we just created some food for thought for everybody. Thanks, Tim. I always appreciate a chance to be with you.